I think the key thing that most entrepreneurs struggle with, myself included when I first started on this journey, was not taking your self-care as seriously as your own business. Because when you're a solopreneur, you are your business. You are the biggest business asset. So you have to take care of yourself as much as you would take care of any other equipment like your laptop or whatever like you need to like value it and allow it to rest and to feel inspired and um yeah i just don't think it's sustainable if you try to grind yourself into oblivion this is philip van nostrand and you are listening to the epic freelance life podcast how to make more money and live an epic freelance life Okay, welcome back. This is Phil Van Ostrand. You're listening to the Epic Freelance Life podcast. And I'm here with a new friend, Hannah Young. Did I say your last name correctly? <laughs> no, it's okay. Everyone gets it wrong. It's Hannah Jung. Damn it. Okay, Hannah <laughs> Jung. You're not like Carl Jung, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, I always say, like, think of jungle without the L E. <laughs> Hannah Jung. I don't think we've ever met in person yet, have we? No, we are a COVID friend. Like we met yeah. remotely and yeah, and have been connected ever since. So So you and I were guests on someone else's podcast and then he had like a little mastermind gathering and then you and I connected. Exactly. And then you told me about this amazing group called El Camino Travel. And I joined that group probably last year. Um, they had just sort of gotten on like into an online community. And it's this really amazing group of people who are like conscious travelers and slow travelers. And it's, it's like, I signed up literally on the phone while I was talking to you. That's and, amazing. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Living and, up and to and my name as the chief connector. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job for sure. So sorry, <laughs> tell us who you are and what you're about, Hannah Jung. Sure, sure. Um, I'm Hannah and I'm the founder and chief connector of a company called Reboot Experiences. It's a company founded on the core principle of connection um, in order to elevate ourselves. Um, and connection is sort of in three key components, like connection to ourself, connection to our higher purpose, and to connect with other people um, that can help us elevate faster. So that's, in a nutshell, that's what I, I love do. that. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that because that feels, um, it feels a little like in the clouds for me. And I'm going to, I want to ground it in here, like how you actually make money. But first tell me, where are you in the world? So right now I'm currently in Nicaragua looking outside at some howler monkeys (laughs) and I've been based here. Yeah. I'm based here um, on and off for the last uh, six years now, rotating between Mexico, Bali, Portugal, and, and Nicaragua has just become one of my home bases throughout the years. That's incredible. And and you just described a lot of places basically where you can surf. Am mm-hmm. I wrong? <laughs> You're not wrong. And that's <laughs> definitely on purpose. I am very passionate about surfing and it grounds me and keeps me balanced while I run my companies remotely for the last seven years. So yeah. That's so incredible. So you've been on this like solo entrepreneur journey for seven years now. Definitely. And it's taking you all over the world. And you're kind of living what like a lot of people would call a, a dream digital nomad life. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. It's definitely, I didn't even know I had this dream until I started doing it. And at the time I started doing it seven years ago, I didn't even know it was a thing. The term digital nomad 
wasn't uh, known. I just, it sure. really came out of pure need. Um, at the time I was launching my very first company seven years ago, I was working on super yachts after a long burnout period in New York. Um, I oh, needed amazing. Time. Yeah. And so I was working on yachts. And during that time, I was uh, building a company for that very niche uh, industry. And I just needed a place to focus, put my head down, um, easy access to the U.S. and somewhere in nature and somewhere where I can surf. And Nicaragua okay. was actually something that came up through a friend of mine mentioned that she had just come back from here. And that's just what, sort of how it started. And when I first came here, I was the only one in Nicaragua that was building something remotely and running a company remotely. So it was definitely new, wow. especially in Nicaragua at the time. And Next thing you know, I'm in Bali, and then I felt like I found my tribe, and like everybody else, um, kind of cool. under, understood where I was coming from. So the rest is history, and I've never really looked back. I'm actually even less interested in like how you built your business, although I'm sure that's an incredible story as well. But I'm really interested in like how you one how you make money now, how you're able to like sustain a life where you're bringing in decent income, and then like and and sort of, and not burning out, you know, and doing it sustainably. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you run companies, not just a company. Can you tell us what, what companies exactly you are working on and what you, what yeah. you are involved in? Well, I'm, I'm not running all of them anymore. I've been very intentional okay. about picking the companies that actually light me up as well as creating impact. And obviously making money to sustain myself. So um, the, the first company that I built was a technology platform for the luxury yacht industry, specifically for staffing. Yeah. And with that, um, I didn't really have a work-life balance because I was trying to squeeze in running a business while also working on a yacht full-time, which was sure. a recipe for burnout, which definitely creeped into that category. And then the second business was, again, for the yachting industry, but much more about helping people get into the industry. And that was a little bit better in terms of work-life balance, but I just my heart wasn't in it, which is why um, my current venture, Reboot Experiences, is something that has the perfect combination of doing things that leverages all my skills and also gives me plenty of space to... Um, do what I love, which is to surf and and to connect with people all over the world um, cool. and do it in a way that's, yeah, that feels aligned. Um, and yeah, you raised a very good question about how do you balance all of that? And I think the key thing that I think most entrepreneurs struggle with, myself included, when I first started on this journey was not taking your self-care as seriously as your own business. Because when you're a solopreneur, mm. you are your business you are the biggest business asset. So at least for the first couple of years, you have to take care of yourself as much as you would take care of any other equipment, like your laptop or whatever, like you need to like yeah. value it and allow it to rest and to feel inspired. And um, yeah, I just don't think it's sustainable if you try to grind yourself into oblivion. So Okay, cool. Um, I agree. <laughs> and and so it sounds like your main project now is just reboot experiences. And in under that umbrella, I I want to say like my impression of it is, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong here. This is just from like glancing through your. I'm subscribed to your email list and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's like, it's like a little bit of like coaching community maybe, or like health and wellness coaching. Um, is that, is that accurate or like a mastermind style, um, group work or what exactly does it look like? So essentially underneath the umbrella of reboot, like I had mentioned at the start, it's all about connection, right? So whether there's different like arms to it. So one arm, which it started off as was like a retreat type of format, which is more like destination summits for leaders. And the purpose of that experience was really to connect um, leaders and creators from all different backgrounds with the purpose of collaborating and creating new business opportunities for one another um, and connecting in that way, and which was successful and it was definitely fun, um, but it was a lot of effort for like decent ROI, but really wasn't yeah. like everything. Um, and I knew that Reboot's long-term vision was going to be multiple different sectors of the business. So that was one thing, the retreats or in-person experiences. Another way was um, in-person workshops. So I would connect with corporate companies and um, co-working spaces and other communities where I would lead um, and facilitate different workshops in the category of business development, personal development, mindset, productivity, that kind of stuff. Um, And then the third uh, area that I launched about a year ago now during the pandemic, um, I had this idea to create a virtual retreat for, I don't know, probably as long as I've had this company almost coming up on three years now, but never had the time. So when the pandemic hit, I was able to create a group coaching journey, which started off as an experiment to see like, could I create a level of connection and clarity even virtually? And it was a resounding success because um, basically the people I would work with are leaders of their field and their space. They've definitely climbed that first mountain, got to the top and realized, you know what, like this is okay and I'm successful, I guess, but there's something more. I want to like have a life of freedom. I need to be more flexible. I want to have um, money to sustain myself and call my own shots. Um, and I kind of help them through that transition to figure out, okay, like you're clearly multi-talented, multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate. How can we leverage all of your talents and gifts in a way that feels strategic and aligned with actually who you are, what you care about and what you want for yourself? Because that's sort of the key to everything and like why, what, what the key difference is between someone who is successful long-term and will continue to push through all of their fears and setbacks versus someone who will just kind of do something because it's trendy or a shiny object and then give up after, you know, half-assing it for like six months. So those are the key differences that I want to focus on. Amazing. So, yeah, so you do group coaching, you have a mastermind, um, you have some online courses, and it sounds like you've been doing everything online now for a while, uh, or mm-hmm. for the past year or so, right? And it's, yeah. uh, I bet, did did COVID actually, like, did things blow up for you in a good way over COVID, or did things just shift, like, h- how was that transition for you? Yeah. I mean, the transition has been really successful. Um, I was actually able to grow my 
business by fivefold um, within a year. Oh and gosh. very rapidly. And in, in fact, not just growth in terms of money, but growth in terms of just like my satisfaction. I feel like I'm working less and making more. I, I try to make it a point to take off at least a Monday or Friday off so I get a long weekend. Bonus points mm. if I if I can be done with work by two or three and get in a cheeky surf session. Um, mm -hmm. But really, my measure of success has shifted a lot from when I think back to when I lived in New York working in corporate. My measure of success was so external, and now yeah. my measure of success is how much time do I get to myself? How much time do I get to be creative? How much? Um, success am I seeing and bringing for my clients? How are they succeeding and how much money are they able to make as a result of clarity? So I don't measure I my success that. in the way that I used to before. Good. I am a hundred percent in approval of this message. Like truly. <laughs> yeah. For me, success is generally like how much freedom do I have um, to do like exactly what I'm interested in doing or travel somewhere, you know, and not have to like worry about the money part. Yeah, um, but I love that, and I really like that. That a part of your definition of su success is uh, based on other people's success as well. I think that's that's really notable. Yeah, um, exactly. It's just actually been probably the most rewarding part of my business, and what I think makes it easy for me to balance work life is to keep my eye firmly on the after effects and like not chasing just like a you know, click through rate or view rate or how many Facebook followers, or whatever, which doesn't really translate yeah. into like long-term impact. So that helps me relieve some of the pressure and other aspects of my business. This is amazing. And, and by the way, your website is so slick. Did, did you design it yourself or did you have somebody design this? Cause it's really clean. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I collaborated with a friend of mine who had come to the very first reboot and she helped, um, set the aesthetic, but, um, my background is actually in design and coding. So I am able to manage. Oh my a lot gosh. Of yeah, I mean, I guess that's the downside of being a multi-hyphenate is like, if you can do everything, like you get very tempted to do everything. But I, over the years, I've definitely learned to outsource a lot of the things that I, even though I know I could do, it's much faster for me to rededicate that energy and outsource it to somebody while focusing on the, you know, big money drivers. So, you know, sure. rather than toiling away, trying to fix one little bug for five hours in the same five hours, I could, you know, quadruple my income with <laughs> doing things that actually move the needle in my business versus doing, trying to do everything myself. So that's definitely a big learning to finding balance. I love it. Well, it's great job for you. It's like literally like a perfect sales page, um, for online courses or, or masterminds. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank um, you. And I have kind of a selfish question maybe cause I, I've, I like grassroots style launched a coaching on my own over quarantine, but how did you qualify yourself or like, I just have a hard time self-promoting and I want to know how you feel about like, you know, valuing yourself as a coach or, or like, what was it that, that caused you to say like, I'm, I'm worth it. I can do this. And like, I'm going to put myself out there. Is that a valid question or? No, that's a totally valid question. It's actually something that a lot yeah. of people struggle with because they're like, oh, who am I? What do I know? Maybe I need to get certified. Maybe I need to do yeah. this. But I actually yeah. reject that idea. I think that everybody here on earth has 
enough skills and experience and perspective in their life to teach someone something meaningful right now, like literally right now. Um, And I, I truly believe that it's not like, you know, you're not trying to help people that you know nothing about. You're trying to help sure. people that are a reflection of who you once were and you were able to overcome that. And, and that leads to authenticity and that leads to minimizing imposter syndrome. And like from my I perspective, it. I didn't go out saying like, oh, like I'm going to, you know, assert myself as a coach. I just started teaching what I knew and what I thought was helpful. And it was less about me and more about um, hey, like here, I, I, this is what I went through and this is what I've learned. And I would love to share with it, share with you guys, um, what has been helpful, not only to me, but other people that I've helped and let's see what happens. Um, and that has actually Mm. led to the most, um, response and success, um, in this last year is because it's about leading with the purpose of service and not Mm. with the purpose of, Hey, like, look at me. And like, it's about me. It's like, I, I, ta- I share my story just as a point of connection, but mm-hmm. never as a point of like self-promotion. There's like a very yeah. subtle difference. Um, about yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. There's like a different, you know, there's different types of leadership. And I'd say the leadership that I most resonate with is like servant leadership. I think it's because yep. of my background in hospitality. It's like, when you, when you do the background work to help facilitate an easy transition for everyone, it all works smooth for everyone involved. That's amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. It totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. I call it like, um, yeah, it's like leading without ego, basically. And you don't have an agenda, right? You're, you're listening and um, guiding. I love that. It totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned something to me briefly, like in the, before we started talking, but you said that you were building a house. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yes, that's true. Where and how and why? <laughs> um, it happened really quickly. Like a lot of things in my life these days, um, I, I, I think I've gotten really good at listening to my intuition and backing it up with logic fairly quickly. Like that's the system that I teach, but basically, um, it came about because I felt really connected to Nicaragua through the years. It's a place very special to me because it's the location that I've built multiple businesses where I sold businesses, where I felt Mm. the most creative. So energetically, I I've always felt connected to this place. Secondly, like the community here is amazing. And I think I, you know, 2020 was rough for everybody. And I think the, the lesson that people are starting to learn, there's like bigger things at play than just a paycheck and what you do for a living and connection. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I think people were craving, especially with like social distancing and things like that. So, um, it was not something that I had planned. Um, the mm-hmm. opportunity presented itself when I, you just have to watch what you say and think because it's super powerful. I had made an offhand comment to somebody saying, oh, it would be really fun if I could just have a house here and um, (laughs) surf and like I could have a place to hold all my surfboards and like, you know, co-work with my friends. And, you know, it's a place that I've loved for many years and would love to share it with like my close nomad friends and family from all over the world. And within uh, a day or two, um, I got connected to a guy who was selling land and then looked at no the on Thursday, negotiated on Friday and submitted signed paperwork on, on Saturday. So it happened no rapidly, rapidly. There was no like 
hesitation. There was no hemming and hawing. Like I'm very yeah. good at taking fast, but very calculated risk. And this uh -huh. was something that felt really right for me. Um, and so here I am on this journey, not something that I really expected in a year that's been really busy for me work-wise. I'm writing a book and also trying to build a house. So it's quite a lot, but, I, Amazing. I, but I've hired help. So that is, again, I'm living and practice what I preach. I'm, I'm outsourcing um, yeah. the experts to design the place and manage the construction. Whereas I know a lot of other people who build houses around here will try to do everything themselves and save money. And yeah. like, it's so funny, the, the parallels between the project of building a house and the project of building your company are so similar because how you show up in one area is how you show up in every area. I think I even yeah. surf the same way too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, I, I don't know how comfortable you are talking about financial stuff, but is um, is property like reasonably uh, affordable out there or what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, it's, pretty, it, it's yeah. pretty affordable. I mean, um, it, even though it's like right next door to Costa Rica, the price is so much more affordable, um, yeah. especially like, you know, the property that I bought here is like walking distance to the surf break, to the beach, and it's still oh, like so pretty raw and in the jungle. But you know, there's all these like beautiful hidden gems, but you know, there's always, um, pros and cons, you know, you have to give up certain things. So like, you know, some people may come to this spot in Nicaragua and be like, Oh, like it's not convenient enough. There's no highways. There's no like modern conveniences, or maybe it feels dangerous, but I didn't find that to be uh, the case. Um, and it's for me, it, it suits my, my risk level, but I know for others, there's non-negotiables that would ne they, can, sure. they can't find here. So I don't know, like for me, it was a very personal decision and, and I thought it was very reasonable. Um, it's definitely much more affordable than Costa Rica, which has blown up a lot in recent yeah. years. And, and we're just, yeah, you're ahead yeah. of the, I think you're ahead of the game there in Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, which is cool <laughs> because I'm sure that the Island will like grow up around you in the next 10 years or 20 years and you'll be like old school, but have purchased early. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, listen, like I, nothing in my life that I'm doing, am I telling myself this is it forever and ever. Um, and I think that sure. mentality is sort of shedding as well. Um, even though I love what I do, like, I feel like a sense of release, um, and surrender for my business. And the same with my, my house is like, yes, I'm like fully engaged and fully loving the process of building it. And like, really having fun with uh, designing a space that's my own and being creative in a different way. But knowing that, you know what, there might come a time where I want to leave or I want to sell and I'm okay with it. Um, and I think that's sort of the, a way that I can move through this like ever changing, ever shifting world and also being a nomadic entrepreneur. Like you have to be okay with surrender. <laughs> if you're not, you're going to really struggle with uh, being yeah. fully remote. Uh, a solopreneur. And so, uh, is it, was it easy for someone like yourself who, um, man, it like runs online courses or runs like online group coaching to purchase land and start building a house? It's not going to like drain your bed. Do you feel comfortable like with the financial decision and everything? Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. feel very comfortable with it. I, I think like this wouldn't be a reality had I stayed in the States. Um, and oh, yeah. 
even if I could afford it, I'm not really resonating with a, building a life in the States at the moment. Um, I go mm. there to visit my family and to visit friends. But I don't know, after being away from the U.S. for over like seven years now and even growing up, always kind of moving abroad and like traveling a lot, I never really felt a high affinity to the States. And even like now, like with everything happening in the last few years, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm okay with letting that go as well. So yeah. That's amazing. And ideally, I guess, I mean, this is how I would think as an entrepreneur is like, when you do travel to Bali or Mexico or the States again, like if your place is made for it, you could easily Airbnb or sublet it out and let it like make money on itself. No? Yeah. Is that a part of your plan? Um, yes and no. I think I'm building this specifically for my use so I can be based here half the year and the rest of the year traveling okay. and then uh, renting it out long term for my nomadic friends. Because, you know, after being nomadic for seven years, you develop some pretty strong relationships all around the world. And I want them to be able to visit me and have a home to stay. Yeah. Um, yeah and like we already have but- a pretty strong community. Okay, cool. So you wouldn't even need to go to Airbnb. You would be able to rent it out to like within your your travel exactly. community. Exactly. And have it be usable. That's cool. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. I mean, with that said, like I'm not like closed off to the idea. It's just that I want to maintain. It's a home. It's not like a. There's definitely different strategies if you want to build a rental property. But I don't know. I'm more about the renting to slow travelers and people who are a bit more intentional and more grounded and not looking to just yeah. come and like party at like a vacation house. So yeah, that's <laughs> nice. You're, you're the full brand all the way through. I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, you're, you're passing all my challenging quiz questions. Um, this is good. So, so I guess, you know, I don't know if you get asked this a lot or if people have questions about you being like a, just a single girl out in the world, but like, are your parents okay with your lifestyle? Like, are you worried about, are you trying to find a partner? Or are you like just going to live like this single solo life forever? What's, what's the deal for you? I personally love being single and could do it forever, I think, but I'm curious <laughs> like what it's like for you. So there's two parts to this. Like the first question that you had asked is, are my parents okay with this lifestyle? Yes, very think, different question. Yeah, I think, <laughs> y- yes, I think they're used to it now. I mean, they, I think I've trained them early and often to just like, let me do my own thing. Um, I was the yeah. first one to move abroad and I've always just kind of made choices along my life that were outside of what their expectations were. So I think they're used to me doing kind of strange things. Um, and when I explained to them that I'm not coming home and I'm going to stay out of the country for an extended period of time, they're just like, okay, well, just make sure you come back for at least Christmas once a year. Uh, so I think because I've, nice. been, I've been away from home for so long, I think to them, it doesn't matter. It's like, we'll see her at one point. So yeah. I've developed a level of trust with them that like each time I've made questionable decisions from their perspective, I've always somehow landed on my feet. And so mm. at the end of the day, every parent just wants to see their child happy and comfortable and secure. And I've shown that to them over the years. So I think that's enough for them. I don't think they need me to do anything or be anything anymore. Um, or at least, uh, at least that's what I've 
told myself in my head and I'm okay with it. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, but I think they're very, yeah, they're pretty proud of me now. Um, even though it was very confusing. Um, and the second question about like single and being remote and dating and, and that whole topic. So, um, I, here's the thing, like when you're super independent, like you tend to really enjoy your own company. And I definitely do. I actually mm-hmm. just spent a solo weekend on a private Island felt like Oprah and it was fantastic <laughs> and I loved it, nice. you know, and, um, I wanted to treat myself to that and I don't want to wait for a partner yeah. to treat me to that because I deserve that. Um, with that said, uh, you're so I, good. <laughs> with that said, I do definitely want a partner. Um, Mm-hmm. And I have been dating and, you know, there's a surprising amount of nomads globally. And because I'm always kind of moving in and out of these nomadic hubs, um, you tend to yeah. meet other like-minded people. So I've dated other coaches in the past, other business owners, um, people who have owned their own agencies, people who've been consultants, like, um, and oh. all live a very free life as well. Um, but yeah, like it's just been tough because I, I, over time, like I, I don't move around as much and I'm, I'm slow matting actually. I just like pick like four yeah. or five, like core places that I like to come back to and intentionally create communities so that when I drop in, it feels like I'm building off of something instead of starting over every single time. And yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. And like the, the nomad community is, is still relatively new in terms of like the future of work. And I feel like some people who are like after 2020, there's a flood of new nomads. I call them like baby, Mm. baby nomads because they want to like do something new, like every week and travel to a different place, every like new country every month. And it's like fun, (laughs) but that will burn you out. Um, you're like the old mom now. Like, I don't mean to be, but, um, it's, (laughs) Uh it's a challenge now. So now I'm like, um, looking for a partner who's kind of a little bit more seasoned or maybe even um, somewhat stable and maybe open to a more flexible and travel lifestyle. So yeah, that makes sense. Same phase of life as you probably. Exactly. Exactly. Like I don't need to be like raging. I'm much more into the having dinner parties with some friends, you know, in the jungle. Of course. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Um, I love that. And so seven years, Um, you, are you, do you consider yourself ambitious? I don't, I I don't see myself this way, but people seem to say that I do. Like I, there's so many labels that people have put on me that I just don't see. They're like, oh, you're super hardworking and you're like so motivated and whatever. And I was like, honestly, what you consider motivation is just because it's fun for me. And what you consider hard Uh work is just because I just get so lost in flow that like I lose track of time. So it's like what one people might observe in me. I don't see myself that that way. So I don't really think I'm ambitious. I'm just trying, trying to do things that interest me and that I find fun and fulfilling. So I know it sounds simplified, but that is genuinely how I feel. Well, but if you were ambitious, you would have like bigger goals for your company possibly and thinking about growth. And is that true? Or are you like, do you feel like you've hit the sweet spot and you're going to like hold where you're at for as long as possible? Um, yeah, in terms of ambition, I'm, I'm not looking to scale this rapidly for any particular reason. I have to keep reminding myself I'm on my own timeline and I, I constantly check in to make sure, am I happy with the amount of money that I'm earning and the 
um, composition or the, the ratio between free time and self-care time with the amount of responsibilities that I have for others. And if it's a, if it feels good, then I, I hold, um, I don't really feel like I need to rush to anything. It's just, I'm on my own. It's a race that I'm only running by myself and it doesn't even have to be a race. It could be a very leisurely yeah. stroll. Um, but in doing that, I feel like I, only scale up and move up when I feel like it and it feels good. And when things feel good, things come easier and actually moves faster. So yeah, it's actually the best productivity hack ever <laughs> is to not try to force yourself and actually just let yourself chill. Yeah. You, you must, man, you're really describing this great book that I read. I want to say at the beginning of this year or maybe last year. Um, did you ever read the book Company of One? Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. It's such a great read, but it's like so describes exactly what you're talking about. Like where staying small is the best thing you can do for your business and how like growing sustainably is like the only thing that matters. And and growth shouldn't even be just like endless growth with no like end point, but, but even like capping growth. So, so you're like only taking on a limited number of customers each year and then like dedicating the rest of your time to freedom or your life or... I think you're, you're espousing like the same set of beliefs and it's beautiful. And it sounds like you're really intentional about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think because I know what the other side feels like, I've been through multiple burnouts and I know that mm. I don't want to get to that space again, which is why, you know, learning from my mistakes here, I didn't wake up one morning and, and told myself like, Hey, I want to be intentional with my energy. It's something that I had to learn the hard way. And, um, it's something that just I'm unwilling to do to myself again, because if I'm in that space where I'm exhausted and burnt out, I'm not going to be able to create anything of value, um, nor am yeah. I going to feel good doing it. So there's no point. Um, like every, everything that we're doing, we're supposed to be enjoying it. We're supposed to be enjoying our life. And that's, that's like the reason why so many people start their own companies or freelance is because they want that freedom and flexibility. But the mistake is they put themselves in the same trap over and over yes. and you know it's like the same yes. it's like the same lifestyle but different you're packaging. describing <laughs> you're describing like the mission statement of my entire book that I'm writing right now no <laughs> joke well we had to talk about your book too i'm writing a book called how to live an epic freelance life and the whole point is that like you can live a life of freedom and make good money while doing it and enjoy things and not get burned out i love um, that i want to hear briefly ah uh, I want to hear what you're writing and then I want to hear what a typical Tuesday looks for you looks like for you cuz we're recording this on a Tuesday. Okay. Um tell me about your book real quick if you're allowed to talk about it. Sure. Um it doesn't have a title, but I'm co-authoring mm -hmm. it with another entrepreneur. Uh she and I connected at Reboot. Um and she is an Asian American entrepreneur and, and so am I and we had a conversation on a Facebook live and we were just kind of joking that there's just so many business books and personal development books out there from cisgendered white men <laughs> and yeah, not, enough, not enough, <laughs> not enough from women and women of color and especially like two petite Asian women as well. Like I love that. There's yeah. just so many um, things that I feel that are unsaid. And like when you're like, me growing up, like reading all the business books, I'm like, oh, okay, like, so this is the model. This is what I have to do. Even though mm. it never truly hit and landed and it didn't really resonate. I was like, well, this is what the experts say. And I didn't know that there was another 
alternative or another voice. So we are um, combining forces and writing a book to basically inspire the next gen generation of uh, women um, and women of color to take bigger risks with their life and don't just take the safe path because it's something that their parents expected of them because yeah. most immigrant kids, um, their parents have certain expectations because of the sacrifices that they made and your life is not your own. And it's such a different dynamic because you're navigating cultural expectations and um, personal identity and guilt and all of these little nuances that are not talked about in many business books um, and how to choose and design your path that feels good and still of service and still profitable. So yeah, it's kind of like a business book meets a little bit of storytelling and biography um so yeah it sounds so beautiful and necessary i'm i guaranteed success and i love the the vision that you have for it Thank and you. i think you're right i think like more yeah more everybody needs to take bigger risks in their life uh, especially people who are like yeah single women people of color women of color yeah i agree i think it's beautiful I'm so glad that you guys are writing this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. It's definitely a labor of love. Um, yeah. And it's actually like been very therapeutic to talk through some of the harder topics that are not talked about um, in mm. entrepreneurship of like, you know, our, our relationship to failure, our relationship to success and other mm -hmm. people's expectations of us and, and kind of shedding the things that we were holding on for so long and being able to release that and like in writing that we're almost like reliving much of the trauma that we've been through, but in a way with fresh eyes yeah. and with a little bit more of a place of empowerment rather than fear or pain. So I'm grateful that yeah. we were able to support each other through this journey and write, a, I hope would be a powerful book for someone out there who's considering starting on the unbeaten path and um, hopefully feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And hopefully as you're reading through or like rewriting and remembering these, these stories, um, you're seeing them through eyes of compassion for your younger self as well. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that's important and it's important in healing ourselves as well. So exactly. Um, yeah. Can you share what a typical Tuesday looks like for you? Now that yeah. we're nearing the end of our day. Sure. Typical Tuesday, I usually wake up and have a coffee. I have my morning meditation or breath work. Um, or if the surf is going on, I'll, I'll go out for a morning surf, which will be my Great. meditation. Nice. Wait, what time do you wake up? Uh, like 7 or 6.30. Um, and okay. then I usually Decent. don't even turn on my phone until after my morning like coffee and meditation. And then I don't have my first call until 9 or sometimes 10 because I like to just boot up really slow. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so not super early, but also not super late either. And then I usually yeah. keep going and I have a lot of back-to-back -back calls during the day between coaching clients or um, personal. And then I have lunch. And then the afternoon, I actually only work for a couple more hours at lunch. I'm usually done by three. And the second half of the day, I focus on like my business stuff where I dedicate like a full day to block out time for like 
you know, creating new programs or updating new ones or working on marketing and, you know, like CEO things. Wait, is, is this what you did today? Yeah. Um, okay. like, yeah, this morning I had a coaching call um, and then another follow-up call with uh, uh, alumni who's interested in working one-to-one with me. And then I had a brief lunch and then I've been working on a new training video. So yeah, like that's been my day. And then I'm hoping, cool. hoping after this call to jump out for a sunset surf session. So yeah. Okay. I love it. And, <laughs> and how you, you sound, wait, are you remote where you are? Or like, how do you eat food over there in um, Nicaragua? Yeah, I, I cook a lot. Um, but also because uh, hiring a chef is very affordable. The other day, my friends and I had a dinner party and we hired a sushi chef to come make us all of these rolls, oh, wow. like eight bucks per person. And we just had a lovely sushi meal with wine and some friends and it was wonderful. So it's not okay. that outside the norm. I think that's like what I call lifestyle arbitrage is like to make, yeah, yeah. To make that US salary and, and live somewhere a little bit more um, within your means or less. That's amazing. Um, that's really cool. And uh, I noticed on your website, you don't have anywhere that, that has the option to sign up for private coaching, but it sounds like you do quite a bit of that. I do, but you know, surprise, surprise, very intentional about that. I actually don't take um, one-to-one private coaching from people I've never worked with before um, because... Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, because I, I like to get to know the person, um, what they're intentionally trying to build and what their existing limiting beliefs and fears are so that I can kind of navigate around it. And knowing that actually allows me to serve them much more powerfully in a shorter amount of time versus if I were to start working with someone from scratch, it takes me at least the first couple sessions just to kind of get to know them and learn their ins and yeah. outs. Because I, I try to tailor each of um, the program and the the personal like one-to-one approach like requires, you know, me to truly know and understand who I'm serving. So that's why I, I only offer one-to-one coaching with people that I've worked with before. Okay. So they've been in your group class or, or group yeah. sessions. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe final thing, where, where do you look for inspiration? Are you listening to any podcasts or books these days um, that you'd like to recommend to the audience? Mm, I will recommend, I'll, first I'll share a book that I've read recently that was like such a nice little nod from the universe. And the second yes. thing is, um, you said, where do I gain inspiration? Because those two are not always yeah. from the same. Sure, sure. Place. They might not be linked. Yeah. So the book that I read recently that was such a nice reminder is Big Magic. Um, I think that every human being is creative. And, you know, I've always held this belief and a friend of mine was like, you would really love this book. And it's just yeah, like that's really, really bite-sized um, nudges from the universe to kind of keep going and to believe in your specific magic and to remain creative and remain in flow. Um, it's just such a nice little reminder. Um, so that was really lovely to just kind of um, remind myself of all those things. Um, where I gain inspiration is probably not where you would think, but I spend a lot of time observing nature. Like when I'm meditating, sometimes I'm like with my eyes open, just looking out into the, the um, 
forest or observing how I behave in the water and the ocean. And it teaches me a lot about risk and it teaches me a lot about cycles because everything in nature and life is a cycle. So whenever I'm feeling stressed out, I have to look outside and remind myself like, Mm. Hey, like this tree is having a season, like every season it bears fruit and it's fine. But right now it's like, looks like a twig because it's dry season and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And to just let it go because it's not going to freak out. It's going to come back next season and bear even more fruit. So sometimes I look to nature quite a bit to be my greatest teacher. And whenever I'm feeling afraid of risk, um, all it takes is a surf session to understand like, Hey, like big risk, um, is okay because, the worst thing that can happen is you like fall off the wave, but it's always a practice. Like it's not going to be perfect every single time. So even though you fall off and you might, you know, feel like you're going to drown, the reality is it's perfectly safe and like, you're not going to drown. Like just stay calm. You come back up and you try again and that's how you improve and that's how you grow. And these kind of things I'm constantly reminded of just simply just being in nature. So that's where I find a lot of my inspiration. That's beautiful. I think we'll cut it right there. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, and I think you're doing really amazing things. So, so someday we will. I want to come out there and check out your uh, your new place on your private property. Thank you. And um, and hopefully in the next couple of years we'll reunite again and hear what you're working on. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, if you're ever looking for some ways to connect in person and if you're free in New Year's, you know, definitely consider joining our El Camino family and Reboot family in in Colombia. Cool. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. We'll try to provide links to all of this. So thank you. All right. Thank you so much.